0: Welcome to Energy Talks, a regular podcast series with expert discussions on power system testing topics. My name is Scott Williams from the podcast team at Omicron, and I will be your host. Hello, everyone. In this episode of Energy Talks, we will present part three of our mini-series called Digital Transformation in the Power Industry. Together with my guests in this episode, we will discuss the importance of cybersecurity in the digital transformation and how it plays a critical role in power system infrastructures. We will address why it is important to implement cybersecurity now in your facilities, power plants and substations. Some governments, such as in Germany, have introduced laws which require all companies with critical infrastructures to fulfill a certain level of cybersecurity for their equipment and facilities. Other governments handle this topic differently, however, one thing is for certain there are increasing dangers of cyber attacks on critical infrastructures throughout the world, which can have dangerous repercussions. We will also discuss what Omicron is doing in the area of cybersecurity and which solutions it offers to the power industry to deal with the growing threat of cyber attacks. Joining me in this episode to discuss these points is first of all Thomas Friedel, Thomas joined Omicron in 2020. Prior to that, he worked for several technology companies in the areas of networking and cybersecurity. He currently works in the Power Utility Communication Unit at Omicron and is responsible for supporting cybersecurity-related projects with customers around the world. Thomas is based in Germany. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to Energy Talks. Hello, Scott. Thank you for having me here. Also joining me is Eugenio Cavalera. Eugenio joined Omicron in 2008 and is based in Houston, Texas. In his current role as engineering manager at Omicron, Eugenio leads the application engineering team in North America. His areas of expertise include power systems, protection and control, digital substations, and cybersecurity. Thank you for joining us, Eugenio.
1: Hi, Scott. Hi, Thomas. It's a pleasure being here to talk about digital transformation and cybersecurity. Thank you both for being
0: here for this discussion about cybersecurity in the power industry. How are each of you involved in the topic of cybersecurity? What is your experience in the field? Thomas, let me start with you. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm roughly
2: more than 20 years uh, involved in the topics of let's say networking and in particular cybersecurity in, in networking environments and i used to work with uh, large enterprises during those days to use those time uh, to help them with these topics Uh, and in particular and that is more relevant for this topic here the last four years uh, uh, while i was focusing i'm still focusing on the aspects of uh, cyber security for ot networks so operational technology networks which we call the networks which are used to run the productive environments in facilities Mm-hmm. And uh, at Omicron, I'm uh, focusing on the product Station Guard, uh, which is a tailor made solution uh, for utilities and
0: energy industries. Okay. Virginia, what is your experience in the area of cybersecurity?
1: So, my, my background, Scott, is as a protection and control engineer. Uh, but my involvement with cybersecurity comes from the fact that I'm, I'm highly involved into the digital substation projects and IEC 62850 as a communication protocol in substations. And, and you can imagine that uh, when talking about cybersecurity now in the last years, every conversation is at the end, you know, finish uh, with or bring the topic of cybersecurity. So many utilities they have when when they start their journey into this new technology, you know, they start raising concerns and questions, and many times they have also fear of not being able to comply with cybersecurity regulations. So the the best way to overcome this is is with education. So to to educate ourselves, and also have those open discussions with customers and and show them that actually um there are many advantages that this new technology can bring also cyber security related so same as thomas though so at omicron our ids solution in station guard is one of the products that i'm focused on and also from an industry standpoint i'm an active member and and participate in many working groups of the power system communication and cyber security committee
0: very good Thomas, the German government has been proactive in regulating the cybersecurity of companies in the critical infrastructure. Could you describe what is being done in Germany, and do you agree with the steps taken?
2: Um, yes, I can do. Um, the uh, our, What you're probably referring to is the uh, activities around uh, the so-called IT security law 2.0, which was issued last year in May. And uh, the interesting thing is, uh, and that is probably a bit unique to, to, to the situation, that uh, the law was changed or uh, updated uh, after five years uh, where the first version was issued, which is probably a bit uncommon, but it's because of the uh, ever-changing and really fast-changing situations in the world of cybersecurity. And this um, IT security law uh, 2.0 is now, let's say, uh, sharpening the, the methods and also the ways companies should involve themselves in increasing their cyber resilience, and this law is really focusing on so-called critical infrastructures or in other areas is called the services of special interest for the community but it's basically the same meaning um, and uh, they they really should empower their in particular their i.t and their ot um, uh, cyber resilience um, and uh, because at least we have to accept that the really bad guys also improving their capabilities. And in particular, the uh, so-called space, state-sponsored uh, hackers, which are well-organized, well-funded organizations, which are working for some governments, and the other ones are the criminal organizations, which running basically a business, a business to earn money from. And uh, they are now also more and more focusing to uh, organizations which are running a critical infrastructure. And that is basically the background why this uh, law had been changed now last recently. And in that law is there are some more. stronger requirements uh, made uh, since before For example it's, it's now mandatory uh, by law for critical infrastructure providers to uh, deploy a couple of measurements like in, intrusion detection systems uh, so, so-called ids solutions to be able to detect attackers as early as possible And also, uh, probably due to the experience of of the first law version, uh, now it's also sharpened in the way that penalties uh, to companies will be given if they don't do this. And that is will probably motivate them to do some more. And finally, the, the law also empowered agencies which overseeing those kind of processes with more headcount funding and so on, and giving them more rights to being involved in forcing, let's say, forcing companies to improve their cyber security. And overall, to come back to your question, if I'm agreeing to that, so yes, as I'm working in that field of cyber security since years, so I feel this is the heart of our communities, the critical infrastructures, and we should do everything as we can to protect them. And We see, unfortunately, attacks are now directed to those
0: infrastructures,
2: and I fully agree that we are doing more here.
0: Okay. Thomas, what is the general situation in other countries around the world? Should other countries also follow Germany's lead? Well, I'm I'm not 100%
2: sure if every country should follow our lead or let's say our example. Uh, But I think in general, we have different initiatives in different countries which are more or less in the same direction to improve cyber resilience for infrastructures or services of special interest. And we see, for example, on on the European area, we see a so-called NIS a NIS directive, which also is on the way to be updated. So the NIS directive was is the first version was issued. Uh, NIS is, is for networking infrastructure security, and it was issued uh, two thousand sixteen. And now it, it's talking that it's less, the last new version will come along uh, this year in June. Uh, that means also on the European level, there is a lot of effort spent to improve that and also to have a similar standard, let's say, that, that the countries are more or less on the same level in Europe. So that is very much uh, motivated by the uh, European Union. And then we see some matrix or measurements they are declaring there and this uh, directive is is similar what we see in the issued uh, law in Germany, for example, and there is a recommendation that these European countries should then look at the new directive and implement laws which will be somehow complying to this directive. So, so we see a lot of uh, uh, movement there, which is very good that, that we see also improvements on the European level. And if you're going down to, let's say, companies like neighbor countries to Germany, where I'm more familiar with, uh, like the Switzerland, so they don't have laws uh, in place yet for the its purpose, but they have, let's say, handbooks and let's say recommendations uh, from the VSE, for example. Let's see. The- a community of electric uh, engineers, uh, which is kind of standard for Switzerland. So everybody is following these rules there. And uh, also in Austria, there is a discussion, a law in discussion, but it's also very much uh, very close to the NIS uh, directive from the European Union. So there's a lot of things are going to happen. And besides that, you will see also corporations on the energy or utility field, for example, there is the organization called I. ISEC European Energy Information Security Exchange, uh, community where I'm in behalf of Omicron, an active member of, or on, on local levels, you have also communities uh, like Allianz for Cybersecurity in Germany and so on. So there's a lot of things are going on, and uh, I think they are all in the same direction made.
0: Okay. Thank you, Thomas.
1: Eugenia, what is the situation in North America? Well, in in North America, the the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, so in short NERC, is actually the regulatory authority that is responsible here to develop all the reliability standards, right, And, and also enforce compliance. So, and, and what happens is that the entities that are connected to the bulk electric system, so they have to comply to this NERC reliability standards. And when we talk about cybersecurity, then the NERC SIP, so the CIP, is the set of standards for, for critical infrastructure protection. And basically, uh, the SIP is comprised of 13 standards. Um, which apply to the BES cyber assets and substations. And and they are also classified or they depend on their impact level. So they define, uh, you know, low, median and high impact levels and, and based on the severity of what a, an incident could cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and Some of these standards as part of the SIP are more on a governance side of things. So they just set basic policies, deal with topics like personal management, training requirements, and even address the topic of supply chain risk management. Um, And some of the other standards are on the technical side. And or technical standards. And at the end of the day, uh, they, they they follow more or less the idea of the NIST security framework that creates this this process, this continuous process of identifying threats, protect, detect, and then respond. Right? Mm-hmm. So just to, to mention a couple of of standards that are part of the SIP, uh, you have the SIP 002. For example, that defines the process of the utilities to identify their assets, identify their threats, and classify them mm-hmm. between those different levels that I mentioned. The SIP-007, for instance, defines uh, system security. So they define some, some uh, requirements as far as protecting, but also define requirements for uh, malicious code prevention, so like the deployment uh, of of methods to detect incidents and also generation of alarms and and generation of events. CIPs two zero eight they enforce the need to have an incident response process in place, and and the CIPs two zero nine, for example, they address the need for the utilities to have a recovery plan when services are affected. So y- you can imagine that you know such a standard is in a way always kind of behind. Um, and it's constantly evolvement, you know, based on what is happening and also based off the influence by, by all the activities in the industry.
0: Okay. Thank you, Eugenio.
1: Thomas, the
0: corona pandemic, as well as the current war between Russia and the Ukraine, has impacted all of our lives, not to mention the increasing threat of cyber attacks. Do you think there is a shift in the power system sector towards even more data security and sustainability? Well, uh, Scott, I'm afraid I have to say
2: yes. In particular, sadly, to the Russian war against Ukraine, we see alongside with these, uh, let's say, physical war, there's also a lot of uh, cyber attacks were launched. to believe, but coming from the Russians uh, to the Ukraine, and in particular to the utility space. And this somehow, sadly, accelerated the wake-up process a bit, and we see now more projects coming along or requests from utilities, and we see task force from larger utilities were, were built. Uh, and got a focus to uh, do something quicker than uh, original planned uh, in terms of increasing cyber resilience and to doing some more in protecting their operational technology OT networks. So, they're, they're, unfortunately, uh, it, it's, it's accelerated to the, the situation we have in Russia and Ukraine.
0: Okay. Eugenio, how does the U.S. government plan on handling the increasing incidences of cyber attacks, specifically in the power sector?
1: Well, cybersecurity has been for sure identified as a critical economic and also political risk right? by the U.S. government. And w- one of the initiatives of many that I wanted to mention here is that in April 2021, so the Biden administration launched uh, industrial control systems, or an ICS cybersecurity initiative. And as part of that initiative, so at the beginning, one of the, the actions they took was they released a 100 day action plan specifically designed for the energy sector, right? And this was led by the Department of Energy, also in cooperation with other agencies. And at the end of the day, the objective was to strengthen the, the cybersecurity of, of the electrical grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and interesting enough is that just a month after, uh, the launch of that initiative, we all saw in the news, in the headlines, you know, uh, reports about this major cyber attack to Colonial Pipeline, this American oil pipeline company in Texas, uh, where uh, due to cyber attacks, they, they had to shut down their pipelines. Mm-hmm. So this just, I think, reinforced the, the importance and the need and uh, and and this also led to the government even strengthen that initiative. Um, one interesting thing to to mention that, as part of this hundred day uh, action plan, they they derived some concrete milestones. And one of the things that I have identified as critical was the need to enhance the visibility. Uh, and monitoring and detection capabilities in ot networks right so mm-hmm. this was a key measure that they want to improve to also improve the security of the grid so they 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 found ways to to um stimulate the utilities to look into advanced technology to modernize their cybersecurity defense and encourage them, encourage the the owners and operators of the grid to implement such measures and such such technology, right? So um, enhance cyber visibility, detection, and their mitigation capabilities. At, at this point, this is just a recommendation, but I can imagine that pretty soon this may end up as well as a requirement in a NERC SIP standard. And that would be pretty much for in line, in alignment, I think, to what Thomas mentioned, what is happening in Germany uh, nowadays. Okay, very good. Virginia, what are some of the
0: difficulties power plants and substations face when they attempt to improve their cybersecurity?
1: Well, I, I have to start saying, uh, Scott, that uh, many of the regulations now imposed to the utilities are being, for sure, a big burden on on the engineers, right? <laughs> so as a protection and control engineers, I kind of uh, feel their pain uh, that they have to deal now with these new processes that. Uh, at the beginning, it's also influencing the way they do their daily work, right? Even before they start thinking about how to make my substation more secure, they have to continue working and they have to deal this with these new processes related with cybersecurity. So, for instance, a protection engineer now, you know, when they when he goes into the substation, uh, he, he's bringing a test set. And that test set or that laptop, the maintenance laptop he carries is considered as a transient cyber asset, as a TCA in in, in the NERC terminology. And um, they have to, to manage these transient cyber assets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, they have to deal with patch management of the IEDs. Also, if the manufacturer released a new firmware, uh, they have to go through that process from, from a cybersecurity mindset as well. So this has a big impact on the way they do their daily work to start with. And um, when we talk about then the, the cybersecurity process, then I think that for the small utilities, um yeah it's it is the main problem uh the main issue is for sure the lack of resources they don't get much support don't have like a dedicated uh it department or a dedicated security officer and that's for sure a burden on them for larger utilities then uh for sure um those protection and control engineers they get more support from it departments they may have even a dedicated group inside the utility and there, I think it's very important that those groups work together on mm-hmm. on on a on a big plan, right? Uh, and uh, as as we interact with our customers or with some of our customers, we we, we hear about some pilot projects when implementing IDS systems, for instance, that that fails due to that lack of interaction between the groups. Um, so the the IT Uh, People, they have a very good understanding, of course, of cybersecurity in general, but the OT also knows the requirements of his application very well. So they have to work together on on that plan. And uh, one of the things that we hear that those pilot projects fail is, for instance, because the, the IDSs that are implemented generate so many false alarms that... It, it, they are just overwhelmed with the things that they have to analyze. And and at the end of the day, if they go through a very time-consuming process of investigating the alarms and finding out that they were false, so at some point they will not trust the system anymore and they will simply ignore it or start shutting it down, right? So that that is a, a need identified where you know we we have to implement systems that that give less or at least close to zero false alarms um, to to support that process, sure also another challenge faced by them is um, that the level of expertise that is required by those personnel to, to analyze and understand the events that they are receiving right. So, and, and sometimes a very skilled IT person is required, and the IT engineers have no idea of what, what that message that he's receiving means. So this brings the need of, you know, another thing on when you implement such a system in OT environment, that the language that those solutions uh, speak should be understandable by both groups, IT and OT, to foster that collaboration between them. Right. So for a for protection engineer, it's very important that the events and alarms that he's getting is strongly related to his application and that can easily uh, point him out to the cause of the problem. And and lastly, one that last thing that I wanted to mention uh Scott is, is the the sharing of information is also a big challenge to to those utilities, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When they do analysis of those alarms, or even in their daily work, uh, due to these need to be compliant with these regulations, they have a very uh, limited uh, room to to be able to share information uh, with with third party companies, and and that at some point they have to find a way as well to to get their job done, but at the same time, not risking on the compliance side. Very interesting. Eugenia. what are the
0: organizations in the power sector doing to meet these challenges?
1: Well, I think that they are, uh, Scott, they they have to look into uh, new uh, technologies, right? I think that these initiatives from the government that i mentioned er- earlier that um looks into encourage the owners to look into new technology and uh implement these uh detection and and mitigation systems it is a process that is important for them to go through and and and, and i think they're doing their homework um and and again remember that close collaboration it and ot That at the end of the day, they get tools and solutions that uh, uh, speak their language and and foster that relationship.
0: I agree. Thank you. Thomas, Eugenio had mentioned this before. Is there less of a risk from any cyber attacks for smaller utilities? Uh, I would say not at all, Scott. It might sound strange
2: at the beginning, but if you think about, uh, yeah, of course, uh, if you compare a huge utility with a smaller one, the immediate impact might be smaller. But we see uh, tendencies and also strategies, if you would like, from attackers. And that's where really uh, providers and uh, countries are, are afraid of that if an attacker may launch or capable to launch An attack to smaller utilities at one time, let's say for a given region for south of Germany or whatever to smaller utilities and he's capable to manage that at the same time, the impact might be even larger than for attacking just one larger utility. So that's why it's also very important that those uh, utilities exchanging information and so on. But their main challenge is for the smaller utilities, and I think that was mentioned by Eugenie already, uh, that they don't have these resources. So the bigger ones may have well stuffed IT and even OT security groups, but the smaller ones that don't have these resources. And uh, they're working also quite heavily with a second party maintainer and so on. So then we are in the area of supply chain attacks, what uh, Eugene, you mentioned also with the example of uh, the pipeline provider in the United States. So there was a that they were not ad- attacked directly, but they were attacked indirectly by compromising supply chain parties here. And uh, that is a big challenge for these smaller utilities. And there are, there are a couple of ideas around that. Maybe they need help from professional so-called managed security service providers, but that's yet to be established in the field of utilities and in the OT networks uh, of utilities. But that might be a help because they don't have these resources, but they have to do something. They have to do something with uh, good knowledge, and they may, may source help from the outside.
0: Okay. I want to repeat a question I had asked before, just for a little bit more detail into the situation in Europe. Besides the increased cybersecurity activities associated with a law in Germany, could you again reiterate what is happening in Europe? Um, there's a new EU initiative since last summer. Is that correct? That's very much correct. So that this
2: initiative to improve the uh, networking uh, security of network information systems. That's, that's the so-called NIS uh, directive. And uh, they, since uh, last summer, there is a discussion and people could contribute or still can contribute what should be improved uh, to get this. Uh, get this directive much sharper, similar as as we saw that in in Germany with this mentioned law uh, 2.0, and basically where when when this first version of this directive was issued, there was a strong focus on. Advising that companies should implement or also crit- critical infrastructure providers or operators of essential services, they should have a so-called search, a security incident response uh, teams uh, established, they should have single point of contacts to report uh, major incidents to governments and so on. And they define what are operators or which sectors uh, we are talking about, like energy, like finance and so on. That was the work on the, on the version one of this directive. And now it's much more sharpened. So they deployed uh, or they are demanding more risk management, having really um, incident response more sharpened and also considering not just the corporation itself as vulnerable, but also include in the risk management supply chain uh, uh, providers, uh, so supply chain companies uh, they have uh, to work with as uh, so reporting should be legally improved and they should exchange information and they should also disclose things so that each, uh, let's say even country can learn from each other, should be disclosed as quick as possible that something could be Uh, avoided which happened in one country still can be avoided in the the other country so that is a lot of improvements here and also finally they are now uh, the new version which is due to be uh, in june the expectation is in june is also to have penalties associated with not being uh, complying to these rules and it's now similar to what we saw a couple of years ago with these data privacy law gdpr law where uh, also corporations are uh, the penalty is linked to their uh, annual revenue which is is, is up to two percent of the annual revenue they have to pay if they causing a major outage and didn't follow the recommendation so that is a lot of things are going on here to really push these uh, forward in the direction that you have to uh,
0: improve your cyber
2: resilience.
0: Uh, So that, that a lot of things are going on here. Okay. Now you've alluded to this to some degree. How will these directives be enforced or how will utilities be motivated to improve their cybersecurity?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting question, Scott. And I think Eugenio mentioned already, It's it, at the end of the day, it brings more burden or more work to the utilities. That's that's true. Uh, and uh, they may want to just, to avoid um, efforts that don't need the resources for. But uh, you have to do, put some controls uh, in place and I can specifically explain a bit how that works in Germany. So after this uh, low version 2.0 was uh, issued, then also, also there is the central agency, which is responsible for cybersecurity, which is called BSI, the agency they outlined also metrics and processes and guidance. Uh, how utilities or other critical infrastructure providers needs to be, let's say, tested or controlled. And that will be done by independent uh, or certified uh, consultants or certified controllers, uh, companies or uh, single persons, it doesn't matter. And they are checking if these utilities did implement uh, measurements or uh, controls to controls as, as the law is demanding and then the list will be sent back to the BSI, and then they are getting time to improve if something was not fulfilled, and uh, that can go forward down to, let's say, paying penalties if, if the, let's say, being not complying uh, was too too much uh, and as uh, the bad guys uh, improving and in uh, whatever uh, evolving so these, these uh, controls and these check checks have to have to be repeated every two years per example and they have to recertify then again uh, and in the worst case uh, which is not happened so far but in the worst case if they will lose their license to provide let's say energy if they don't full fulfill the requirements so that is that is written in the law and that's now going to happen to be more and more checked Uh, and i assuming
0: similar things will be done in in the other countries as well okay thank you thomas i have a question for both of you what are your tips for organizations in the power industry to include and implement cybersecurity initiatives into their digital transformations thomas what tips do you have I think there is one big issue these companies uh, should
2: consider as early as possible. I think Eugenio raised that already. So when it's coming down to, let's let's say, cyber selection of, of cybersecurity products or uh, uh, controls they have to deploy, mostly in, in larger utilities, responsibility is still with the IT people. And in those type of projects, these, these People should involve as early as possible OT experts because they have to work together and they have to select the right solution. Which, uh, because at the end of the day, it's, it's going down to the OT people who have then to work with that and to report to the uh, the IT to the SOC security operating center alerts and so on. And then they have to work together. The guys in the IT world don't really understand what these OT alerts are meaning, and they have to talk together. And as early as possible, they speak together. They may be able to the right uh, solution for them and we really have seen a couple of projects there are a couple of examples obviously is not disclosed to the public but we we have seen that that uh, larger utilities are failing to to deploy since years security products which which were coming basically with the office IT, meaning in mind and uh, they don't work in the OT world and that you can avoid that as uh, if you, if the people are talking together and working groups to select the right product and uh, that that would be my
0: my let's say number one advice to 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 do uh, to do. Okay thank you Thomas. Eugenia, do you have any tips for our listeners?
1: Sure, Scott. I think th- Thomas and I we, we we talked a lot about uh, regulations and laws as well in this podcast, right? And mm-hmm. and of mm-hmm. course, the utilities they have to be worried about complying to these regulatory standards for sure. Uh, but a, a a tip from my side is to look it from a different perspective. I think that instead of starting from from a regulation mindset, we should be thinking on best practices and and be open to new technology. Um, I believe that for a utility that will just try to do the minimum to comply they will face up problems in the future um the the, the process will end up being very cost costly because uh, they will be always behind and as 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 we have seen and have discussed those regulations and standards they are evolving so the utility will have to evolve with it as well so i i would my tip and and also looking at as a Coming from a protection and control engineer, um, I I believe that uh, we should look at it more from a holistic approach and look at best practices instead. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they do that, they will be on top of the game, and compliance will just follow. Right. So, and and share, share knowledge and learn and be out there involved in 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 discussions in the industry. Um, organizations such as, for instance, IEEE, committees, and, and other places. Let's just get that discussion going and be looking at best practices. Um, and, and as I said, the, the regulation aspect will just follow it and we'll be there. Okay. Thank you
0: very much. Thomas, what is Omicron doing to help organizations in the power industry improve cybersecurity around the world?
2: Um, yes, but, so if you if you think about uh, we didn't talk that much, we don't want to talk that much about the product as a such in this podcast. But if you are talking about IDS solution, Station Guard came alive. This already clearly shows that we are really focusing and on the needs of uh, power industries. Because uh, before we developed the Station Guard, we really did two years uh, research work, interviewed a lot of uh, our customers, what their needs are. We, we try to put or we we got uh, our knowledge about the. Uh, the uh, OT world in 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 the utilities uh, on the table, if you would like, and the result of that was a tailor-made product for utilities. So that is clearly showing our engagement here. So we will be really focusing on that and we are continuing to improve that. Uh, that, that That's one, number one. Uh, but also we are t- trying to participate as active as possible in communities uh, like, as I mentioned before, the AI. Uh, e uh which is a european community uh, uh, for energy uh, ut- uh, utilities to exchange uh, informations about attacks about vulnerabilities and and so on as well as in other organizations so that we're trying to contribute as much as possible uh, in with with to also also to share our findings and help uh, other utilities to protect themselves but as well to learn uh, for us ourselves uh, what maybe is needed in the product itself so how can we improve our services our products so we it's it's a win-win situation i would say So, we contributing with our knowledge but we're also gaining a lot of information back. we can improve our solutions and besides that we are uh, offering uh that's tailor-made consulting and training services for for utilities so to help our customers uh, designing the, uh, the right cyber secure architecture and we also train them we educate them uh, which really approves their capabilities uh, and to stand uh, really let's say against the ever increasing number of attacks and uh, these attacks uh, also are kind of tailor-made for uh, this, this industry. So, and so you need to be on top of that. And uh, we're trying to, to contribute as much as we can.
0: Okay. Eugenio, do you have anything to add? Thomas
1: Tom already covered well uh, in terms of uh, what we offer as, as cybersecurity solutions for substations. and I, But also as a... Uh, Company that provides uh, testing solutions to to the industry, and we discussed it earlier about the, the TCA, right? The transient cyber assets. So the test sets are a transient cyber assets and that are brought to the substation and as are seen as an attack vector, right? So uh, therefore, we we, we take cybersecurity very seriously uh, throughout the development of our software and how the products. Um, an, an example I want to mention is our MBX and, and RBX, how the platforms, and where we have implemented in those test sets many uh, cybersecurity measures that at the end of the day support the requirements set by some of these standards, like, like system hardening, authenticated firmware updates, disk encryption, just to mention some. Um, also an interesting f- uh, factor is that these test sets, they, they also kind of provide an isolation from the OT network to the Windows PC. So I do not connect my Windows PC to the network, what would raise another level of of questions and concerns, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, the the test set kind of operates as a firewall in between the PC and the OT network. Um, we, we also support, for sure, our customers in their process of clarifying risks that they have identified that could be imposed, you know, by, by test sets, for instance. And, and we have established a process in-house to, to on how to handle and how to disclosure product security vulnerabilities. And this is something that is, is handled by a dedicated team in Omicron, uh, a product security team. Okay. Thomas, where can our listeners get
0: more information about these available solutions you had mentioned? Um, got so
2: the first place would be uh, our, our website, Omicron website, but also we, we created a specific website, which then will, it's called www.stationguard.com. The station guard is the name of our solution or portfolio. There they can find a lot of additional information, even smaller training videos, not that long, but explaining what, what they should do and what the solution is about. Uh, or they can even engage with direct with our experts around the globe. So we, we have more than 25 offices uh, around the globe and we are present in more than, I think, 130 countries. So there's a lot of uh, also direct engagement possible either with us direct or with sales partners of us. And uh, in addition to that, we are doing regular uh, webinars. Us on a regular, uh, we have a regular timeframes, uh, and uh, we are attending globally fairs and exhibition, talking about specific topics about cybersecurity for the utilities. So that's that's all our ways uh, to to learn more about um, more about our solutions.
0: Very good, Argenio. Thomas briefly mentioned this. There are specific Omicron webinars and online courses. Could you recommend where our listeners can learn more about cybersecurity through these webinars and courses?
1: Sure. So um, the the listener can find a, a a lot of resources available in our website for sure. And if we go to omiconenergy.com and look for uh, training and 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 webinars, for instance, so we have a, a series of webinars that that are, were developed. Uh, on the topic of cybersecurity and there there are a lot of webinars that are presented live so you will find a date that you can sign to or you can even find some old recorded webinars available for you as well what, one uh Scott that I uh that I really like myself is uh called cybersecurity in substations important aspects for electrical engineers i think that's a really good start point you know for a, a protection and control engineer to, to kind of get his feet wet, you know, on, on the topic of cybersecurity in, in substations. So all, all these resources are available in our website for you to sign up and, and watch. And I wanted to mention as well that some of these webinars are uh, co-hosted with, with some of our partners in this field.
0: Okay. Very good. So we have some uh, other expert perspectives on this topic through them with these uh webinars and trainings do you have to be an omicron customer to attend them uh, no not at all they are yeah we would like
2: to turn them to omicron customers if possible but there's no need to be omicron Customer to have a product from us purchased to be able to to join that webinar. So it's free for all. So we want to teach the community, the people who are involved in utilities to improve their cybersecurity resilience capabilities as well as assets discovery things. So we we want to share this information to to as much people as possible. Okay. Thank
0: you, Thomas. Thomas and Argenio, thank you very much for your insights and sharing your experiences with implementing cybersecurity in the power industry. Thank you very much,
2: Scott. You're uh, most welcome and uh, thank you, Eugenio, it was a pleasure to to do that together with you.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Scott, for having me here and and thank you, Thomas, for the very insightful discussions.
0: Thank you both again. And a big thank you to our audience for listening to this episode of Energy Talks. We would really like to know what you think about our podcast and which topics you would like to hear more about in the future. Also, if you have questions about a particular episode for our guest experts, please let us know. To do this, simply send us an email to podcast at omicronenergy.com. We greatly appreciate your questions and feedback. Omicron has several years of experience in power system testing and offers you the matching solution for your application. This includes solutions for cybersecurity, which were discussed in this episode. For more information, be sure to visit our website at omicronenergy.com. Here you can also find information about upcoming Omicron Academy webinars and training courses, as well as the latest issue of Omicron Magazine to keep up to date about the latest in power system testing. Please join us to listen to the next episode of Energy Talks. Goodbye for now, everyone.